So it, it actually started um, a long time ago when I was 17 years old. So for you teenagers, this, it could start right now. Um, when I was 17 years old, I was having some time with the Lord uh, and just seeking Jesus. And I was reading in John 17, Jesus' prayer. Now, what I found fascinating about this is this is his prayer between him and the Lord. This is very intimate. I mean, it's Jesus, the Son of God, talking to the Father. So this is an intimate conversation, right? And this is right before he goes to the cross, right before they arrest him in Gethsemane and take him, and then he's crucified the next morning. And so it's like his final prayer before the cross. He's with his disciples in this intimate interchange of ideas and thoughts in his heart with the Father. So, so my attention was captured in this moment. And I'm reading, and he starts praying for his disciples. And then in verse 20, he turns the corner, and he starts praying for those who will come to faith through their word. So, in a sense, praying for us, like, which is so cool. So if you want to see Jesus' prayer for you, it's in John 17, verse 20 through 26. And I'm actually going to read it later on in the message today, so we can read it together. It's really powerful. But I'm reading this prayer of Jesus. And he's praying that we would be one with him. And as him and the Father are one, that we also would be one in them. And then he says this. He says, Father, I desire. And when I saw that, I immediately stopped reading. And I said, all right. Covered up the page. (laughs) All right, Lord, whatever comes next, I want to dedicate my entire life to that. I want whatever you want. This is his heart's desire. He's intimate with the Father. He's about to share the thing that is is heavy on his heart, what he wants most. Father, I desire. And so, God, whatever it is, I want to dedicate my entire life to what comes next. And then he says, Father, I desire that these you have given me, us, might be with me where I am and behold my glory. And I'm like... Yes, that's exactly what I hoped he would say. That we get to be with him where he is and behold his glory. That sounds like the greatest dream ever, but yet that's his dream for us. That we might be one with him, united in that way. And so that's where it all began. That was the seed that was planted in my heart on that day many years ago. And then a year, fast forward a few years, a lot of years actually, um, Katie and I uh, felt the call of the Lord to, to pastor a church and, and to lead a church. And so God kind of dropped this vision, the vision that I've been sharing with you guys over the last three weeks in our hearts about 
probably five or six years ago, uh, I was spending time with the Lord, and then all of this stuff kind of out of John 17 came on my heart, being one with Jesus, one family, one on mission. Um, and so he poured that into our hearts in that moment, and we still didn't know the timing of God. You know, when is this going to happen? I don't know. But we knew what God had called us to do. So we continued to pray. I was a pastor in Denver at the time. And, uh, and then years pass, and then fast forward to November 2021. So just about a year and a half ago, uh, we were praying, talking to the Lord, and we felt kind of shift in our heart, and we said, God, is this the time? Is this the time for that new season? And we felt like the Lord was like, yes, absolutely, this is the time. We're like, oh my goodness, we've been waiting and preparing for this for over a decade. And God said, this is the time. You're going to be transitioning into that new season. So November, December, we pray, we seek the Lord. January comes, 2022. And God says it very clearly, this is the year. 2022 is the year you're going to transition into that new season that I've called you to. So we're, we're excited, nervous, like a lot of different things are coming up, you know. We don't know what God's going to do. We have five kids, so Lord, please be thinking about that as well. Um, so we're praying and we're seeking the Lord. And the first thing we start with in January is just like, Lord, I pray that you will clear out our hearts. God, if there is any wrong way, search our hearts, oh God. If there's any wrong way in us, please take that out. Any unhealthy attachments that we have or lies or, or false ideas that we're attached to, God, will you please remove that? We just want your will. That's what we want. And so we prayed and we spent time fasting and praying in January. And for those of you who have heard the story, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm re repeating it again. But so we fast and we pray. And then, uh, and we didn't know where. We didn't know where God was leading us or what it was going to look like. We continued to pray. And over those months, um, God started revealing that he was calling us back to Kansas City in the pastor here. And we're like, oh, well, that's, that's different. <laughs> that's new and exciting. Um, but it's also, we're, it was nerve-wracking, right? And, uh, and we were praying and we took time and we wrote out the things that we knew that God had already told us that he wanted us to do. And, and we, we wrote down the things that we were thinking, the things we were feeling, what is the word of God saying, months of just discerning. Uh, and we met with wise counselors and we said, guys, what are you guys feeling? What are you guys feeling and hearing? And so it was a very intentional process. And it led us to March of last year and I met with a pastor friend of mine here in Kansas City, sharing my heart with him. And then he says, Neil, I know a church in Liberty that's looking for a new pastor. And he said, and what's on your heart and knowing the heart of that church, he said, I think that can make a really powerful partnership, you guys together. And so I had no idea. I was like, that that was coming. We were just having coffee. And I'm like, wow. So Katie and I prayed more and more. And then we started the process. We felt the Lord calling us to apply here. And then, you know, the dominoes fell. And we continued to pray and seek the Lord. And this church continued to pray and seek the Lord. And, and then um, come, I think it was May or June, at the beginning of June, I think it was official um, that I was going to be coming here and to be the pastor here at this church. And so, and then we started in August. Uh, but that whole season, coming in, God leading us into a new season, like I said, there was excitement. We were super excited. We were also nervous. And we were grieving some losses that came. Um, because we were, you know, leaving the mountains. The mountains are beautiful. Grieving that. Relationships and friendships and things that have been built over years being in, in the Denver area. And so there was some grief as well, but that's part of it. 
That's part of being human. You know, when change happens, there's excitement, there's some nerves, there's some grief. But we knew if we're connected with the heart of God, if we stay connected with the spirit of God and his grace, God is always gonna lead us to himself. He's gonna lead us to where he is. And then it was here. <laughs> he was, he's here in you all and in your hearts. And that was clear. And so Katie and I are honored to be here. And uh, the title of my message this morning is A New Season. A New Season. So we are finishing off our vision series. So we started the very beginning of this series. You guys remember on January 1st, we started talking about before we share any vision, it's all about what? A touch of God. We need God. We need his presence and his power in anything that we do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. And so we said, we're going to pray. And we've been praying and we've had our Wednesday morning prayer meetings from six to seven. Those have been awesome. And by the way, we are going to continue that through the month of February. So uh, if you guys didn't get a chance to come, we'd love for you to come. But we've just, I've just really enjoyed it. Uh, have you guys enjoyed it? Those of you guys have been, been able to come. Um, so um, it's been a really great time to connect with each other and with the Lord in prayer. So we're going to continue to pray those five prayers as well, because uh, we need the Lord and his help. And then we've walked through our vision as a church. So our way, right, our way, our three missional objectives as a church is one with Jesus, right? We are one with Jesus, which means we are fully alive and fully devoted to God. We want a living relationship and union with the living God. Amen? So one with Jesus. We are one family, fully known and fully loved in authentic relationships. We want to be known and loved. Just like we're fully known and we're fully loved with the Lord, then that gives us courage to be fully known and loved in relationships and community. So that is passionate about, that's something that we are really excited about, is connecting with each other in that way. And then lastly, one on mission, which is being fully engaged and fully present to the lost and hurting in our city. Engaged, meaning intentionally seeking out connection with those who don't know Christ and those who are in need in our community. And then present, see, hear, care, listen with intentionality, take genuine interest in their life. So that's what we are about. What, now, you might ask, why fully? Because it says fully a lot. Fully, 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 fully. Why? Because of the great commandment. Love God with what? All of your heart. All of your mind. All of your soul. All of your strength. Everything we are is devoted to Jesus, to his body, his family, and to his mission. Amen? And then we talked about our, our values, our nine values. I'm not going to go through all of them individually, but our nine values, growth and truth and worship, freedom, community, authenticity, witness, care, and missions. So our values. So our vision statement is the why. Like that's our why, why we're here. And then our way is our what, what we do. We, do, we are one with Jesus, one family, one on mission. That's what we're all about. And then our values are how, how we do that. Okay, so we've shared that. And so now, today, I'm going to share the last few pieces of this, and that is our vision statement as a church and our new name going forward. So I'm going to be sharing that with you guys today as well. So, but first, let's dive into the Word of God. 
And I want us to look at why, why vision? Why vision? Why is that so important? First off, why vision? We need to know our why. We need to know our why. What, what is the driving force behind our lives? Why are we here? Um, that is one of the biggest questions, right, that people ask. Why am I here? What is, what is my purpose on this earth? We need to know our why. And you see vision throughout Scripture. You see it with Adam, right? God tells Adam and Eve, he says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over everything that lives on the earth. It was kind of like his vision statement for them. Go and do this, right? So he gives them vision. You see it with Abraham. God takes him outside and says, look at the stars, Abraham. Count them. Can you count all the stars? He says, so shall your descendants be, as numerous as the stars in the heavens. And at that time, Abraham didn't have any kids. <laughs> so it's like, oh, God, that's a... I think you're over-exaggerating that a little bit. <laughs> but he said, look at the stars. He gave him vision. This is what, and, the, and then he established the covenant of circumcision with him. And then Moses, God gave him the plans for the tabernacle, right? Like every single detail of what he wanted him to do in the building of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. And then David had the plans for the temple that his son Solomon would then build. Jesus himself had a mandate Right? He said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. But look at this in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. It's not like us. We can't flip through the pages. He had to unroll it. <laughs> that would be really hard to find stuff unrolling it, he found the place. I wonder how long that took. Like everyone's just kind of waiting and he's just unrolling. <laughs> so he finds the place where it is written, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Isn't that awesome? He just throws it down. And then guess what he does? He goes out and he does it. He heals the sick. He sets the oppressed free. He proclaims the good news to the poor. He trades beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And he allows people to become oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. He had a vision. He had a reason for being here. He knew what it was. He knew why he came. He came to seek and save those who were lost. He came to lay down his life so that we might have life. Amen? Jesus came with a purpose. He knew his why. The other reason, why vision? There is power in a unified purpose. There is power in a unified purpose. Acts chapter 4, the early church, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and in mind. Isn't that amazing? All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great 
power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that there, in them all, sorry, that there were no needy persons among them. Isn't that incredible? God's power was at work because they had, they were one heart, one mind, they were centered on one thing. And there's a, there's a uh, phrase in the New King James, it's with one accord. And you see that phrase multiple times actually in the book of Acts in the first few chapters, with one accord. And that word there in the Greek is homothumadon. Everybody say homothumadon. <laughs> They're like, why did you have me say that? Because <laughs> it's fun. All right. Being unanimous, having mutual consent, being in agreement, having group unity, having one mind and purpose. The disciples had an intellectual unanimity, an emotional rapport, and a volitional agreement in the newly founded church. In each of its occurrences, homothumadon shows a harmony leading to action. Isn't that powerful? A harmony leading to action. They were about one thing, and ultimately that was Jesus. (laughs) One, one thing. They were with one accord, and then powerful things happen every time. That phrase, you see it in the book of Acts, with one accord, something incredible, almost miraculous takes place afterwards. So that's why vision, okay? We need to know our why, and there's power in a unified purpose. Then now why a new name? Well, when God changed someone's name, which he did multiple times in Scripture, he was communicating either a new calling or a new character or new identity within them. He was calling it out. And a lot of times it was already in them. He was just bringing it to the surface. Look at Abraham. He was one. Genesis 17, verse 3 through 6 says, Abram, because he was Abram first, fell face down, and God said to him, As for me... This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. God changed Abram's name, which Abram means high father, to Abraham meaning father of a multitude. Right? So he changed his name because he changed his destiny. Right? And then Sarai, his wife, her name was Sarai, which means my princess. He changed it to Sarah, which means mother of nations. So he changed their name as he, and then that was when he established the covenant of circumcision. He says, okay, I have a new way for you. Okay, and so with that, I am confirming that way by giving you a new name. So, Abram, and then you see it in Jacob, right? Genesis 32, 28, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. God changed Jacob's name, which Jacob's name meant supplanter, like a trickster, right? And let's be honest, if you read the story of Jacob, he was. (laughs) He stole his brother's birthright. He stole his blessing. I mean, he was not the greatest guy, (laughs) right? But a change happened in him. And then God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. So instead of supplanter, Israel means having power with God. Isn't that, man, what a great name. Having, that's a great name, having power with God. And so, and then we see it in the New Testament, 
Jesus, with Andrew, with Peter. So in, in John chapter 1, verse 40, 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. So he's excited. He brings Simon Peter to Jesus. Verse 42, 42 and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, <laughs> you are Simon, son of John. And he's like, yeah, that's my name. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So he's like, I know your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> you know? I wonder what Peter felt about that. He's like, uh, sure, I mean, you're the Messiah, so let's go. <laughs> right, he changed his name to Peter. Now, what's cool about this is Peter, later on, Jesus asks his disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? Peter jumps up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he calls out, his identity. And then Jesus says to him, you are Peter. Isn't that interesting? He says, you are Peter. And then on this rock, I will build my church. But he says, you are Peter. When Peter steps out and he says, you're the Christ, he says, yeah, you're Peter. That's why I gave you that name. You're a rock. And then Peter goes on to be a leader of the apostles. And the guy who's like constantly putting his foot in his mouth, he really liked it a lot. In the gospels, you see him preaching and leading the church on the day of Pentecost in just a powerful way. So uh, there's an article on a website called Got Questions, and it, it was really great on name changes and, and God speaking to people and giving them new names. And I love this quote from it. It says, the Bible doesn't give us his reasons, but perhaps it was to let them know they were destined for a new mission in life. The new name was a way to reveal the divine plan and also to assure them that God's plan would be fulfilled in them. Isn't that awesome? So there is a purpose in God as he shifts people in their lives and gives them a new way and a new direction. He also gives them a new name to confirm that. So, so then what is God's plan? What is his plan? What is the vision for our church? Our vision statement is this to see God's redeeming work established in our city by living in authentic union with Jesus as one family, seeing and loving one person at a time. To see God's redeeming work established in our city, where everywhere we look, we see redemption. I see redemption there, redemption there, redemption there. I see redemption in that home, in a broken home. It's healed and brought together because Jesus is there. I see redemption in that workplace because Jesus is being elevated and they're instilling biblical principles and values. I'm seeing redemption in the school with the teachers and with their lives. I'm seeing redemption out on the, the practice fields of the teams. And I'm seeing redemption in the lives of, of the people in this church. And I'm seeing redemption in the church where we're all being united together and we're all on the same mission together in this city. That everywhere we look, we see redemption, God's redeeming work. We see Jesus doing what he came to do, healing the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, giving beauty for ashes. We see that everywhere we look, that God's redeeming work is established in our city. That is our vision. That's what we want to see take place. His work, because it's all about him. We're just partnering with him. He's at work. He's redeeming. He's been doing it way before we came around, right? He's been doing it for thousands of years. And so our assignment is to align with him. 
and see God's redeeming work established in our city. And we do that by living in authentic union with Jesus as one family united together and then seeing and loving one person at a time. What do I mean by that? The one. Jesus was all about the one. He was never too busy for any one person. He preached to multitudes, but he would stop for the leper or for the woman caught in adultery or for the Samaritan woman at the well or for blind Bartimaeus. He cared for the one and he saw them and he loved them and he pointed them to himself. I mean, there is power in just, instead of taking all this pressure of we have to change the whole world, no, just one, just one person. What if we as a church, for this year, 2023, we prayed about one person who didn't know Christ, just one person that we know, doesn't know Jesus, and that was it. That was our mission for the year. Just one person, to love them well, point them to Jesus, care for them, be present to them, engaged with them, take genuine interest in their life. Man, what could God do if we did that and we were that intentional? Just one. Because man, one person coming to know Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. Just one. So let's just do one at a time. One at a time and see what God does. Amen? So that is our vision as a church. And then a way to say that a little bit a little bit snappier. You know how like businesses have like a vision statement. It's a little bit long because you're sharing your whole heart. So and then they have kind of like a, like a tagline or a motto or something that's just kind of an easy way to remember it. So you could say this. We are one family united with God pointing people to Jesus. That's it. One family united with God pointing people to Jesus. That's what we're about. It's an easy way to remember it. One family united with God, pointing people to Jesus. Amen? So that's our vision. So this comes from two primary inspirations in Scripture. Jesus' conviction in his prayer in John 17, and then our collective calling as the body of Christ that we see in Acts. So let's read. I told you we would read Jesus' prayer. John 17, verse 20. Let's read about the conviction and the cry of Jesus' heart. Verse 20 says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, as you are in me and I am am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, and this is that part, Father, I desire or I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Throughout human history, the cry of God's heart was to be with us in our midst from the beginning with Adam, 
Adam walking through the garden in the cool of the day with God himself, walking and stepping with him, right? And then you have, you have Abraham who was called a friend of God, a friend of God. Moses, the tabernacle in the wilderness, was right in the middle of the nation of Israel, right in the midst of their camp. He wanted to be in the midst of his people. The temple was in the middle of Jerusalem, right there in the midst of the nation. Jesus came to the earth and became a man so he could be among us in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. Then the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost so that Spirit himself could be and dwell within us so that we could be one with him. And the new temple could be our hearts. And God could be connected and united with us. This has been his desire from the beginning of time, that we would be in his midst together with him, united as one in his cry and his prayer right before the cross. And he makes it simple for us. He made it simple. He's like, there's a simplicity in Christ. He gives one commandment. There's one. He says, love God with all your heart. Mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the greatest commandment. On this commandment, these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All of them hang on these two things. Love God and love people. And then he gives one commission. Go make disciples. It's simple. There's simplicity in Jesus. One calling. That's why I believe the early church was united. Because it was simple. It was just one thing. They were with one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 They had one calling. So continuing daily with one accord, there it is, in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That word simplicity of heart means single-mindedness. Just one thing. One thing was on their heart. One thing was on their mind, and that was Jesus. Him. He's it. He's the centerpiece. Christ's desire is to be with us, and our desire reflects that. Look at David's prayer in Psalms 27.4. I, prayed it, uh, I shared it earlier today. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. It's Jesus. And then in the book of Acts, with one accord, every time it, every time it appears, Acts chapter 1. First time, they were with one accord in prayer. Then they chose the 12th of the apostles, Matthias, right? That was a huge thing. And then in chapter 2, they're with one accord in prayer again, and the Holy Spirit gets poured out. The sound of a rushing wind fills the place where they're assembled together. And then tongues of fire were on their heads, and they begin to pray in other, or speak in other tongues. And then Peter gets up and preaches this gospel message, and thousands of people come to know Christ. And then later on in Acts chapter 2, with one accord, happens again. And the Lord adds to the church daily those who are being saved. Acts chapter 4, with one accord, appears again when they're getting persecuted. They gather together in prayer with one accord that God would give them courage and boldness the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to preach the word of God with boldness Acts chapter 5 with one accord appears again and then great signs and wonders and miracles started breaking out in the early church to the point that people were literally dragging their sick loved ones into the street so that Peter's shadow might fall on them and they might be healed crazy stuff The power of God, though, being poured out on his church as they were united together around one, him. Anything is possible when we unite with Jesus collectively together. Sin separates. 
Jesus unites. Ephesians 2, 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, the Jews and Gentiles, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. One conviction in John 17, one commandment, one commission, one calling, one culture. Ephesians 4, 3 through 6, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That we are meant to be one body, right? Many parts of the body, right? United together, right? But we are one body with Christ as the head. Right? And then when we do all do our own special work, the body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Ephesians 4.16. When we all come together, united under Jesus, he's the big deal. He's the one that we unite around. We unite around a common person being Jesus and a common purpose being his commission towards us in the world. One body, and then ultimately one final conclusion in Revelation the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, it says that Jesus is there. God is in the center of the city. And that he himself is the light of the city. There is no sun, no need for a sun, because he is the light. And what do you know? God there in the midst, right in the middle of his people. It's been his desire from the beginning, and it's his desire for the end. And that's our heart. And that leads us to our new name, which is One Church. One church, because we're about one. One thing do we seek, and that's Jesus. We were one with him, one family, one on mission. So the whole thing put together, here it is, the whole thing, we're gathering it together, one church. And then our vision is to see God's redeeming work established in our city by living an authentic union with Jesus as one family, seeing and loving one person at a time. One family, united with God, pointing people to Jesus. One with Jesus, fully alive and devoted to God. One family, fully known and fully loved in authentic relationship. And one on mission, fully engaged and fully present to the lost and hurting in our city. That is where God is leading us. That's our direction for our church, where we're going. And, uh, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God has in store for us. And I think um, anytime we align our hearts with the heart of Jesus, we're in a good place. Amen? So, um, in a practical level, on a practical level, um, the, name, the name change won't happen anytime soon, like right now. Uh, that's not actually going to happen until August. So we're going to be taking the next six months. As you all know, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into changing a name. And so uh, including like website and, you know, and with the city and the state and all that different stuff that has to happen, signage, all that jazz. So uh, it's not going to happen officially until August. Um, so we're going to take the next six months to prepare for, and we are going to relaunch as one church on Sunday, August 13th. 
2023. So 8, 13, 23. So mark your calendars, mark that date. That's launch Sunday where we relaunch as one church that day. So six months is to prepare up and to lead to that, to ramp up, to prepare ourselves for that new season, for what God has for us. So we're really excited about that. Um, and I'm excited to partner with you guys uh, and do this together as a body because that's, that's, how, that's how it happens. It's all of us together. Remember, the body of Christ. We all have different parts. I have a certain function within the body. You have a certain function. But when we unite together around a common purpose in person, then God can do some amazing things. So uh, I just want to close with this. For some of you, this might be really exciting, and you're like eager, and you're like, all right, let's go, ready for the next thing, it's going to be fun, a new thing. You like, maybe you, you like change, and you like new stuff. Um, that's awesome. That's great. Um, but for some of you, this is a lot. <laughs> I mean, it is a lot. Like a whole new vision and values and all that, that's a lot. Um, it's a lot of change. And, and I know that that might bring up some questions, or you have, you know, what, what's the heart behind this, where this come from, whatever. Listen, we would love, I would love, my wife and I, the elders, we would love to help answer any questions that you have. We're available for that. Um, and I also know, just like when God called us into a new season here, we were excited, but we were also nervous, and we were also grieving some things. And that's okay. You don't have to just be excited. It's okay if there's things that you're grieving, the loss of something. That's all right. That's part of being human. You can carry both of those things. You can be grieving in a healthy way, and you can be excited <laughs> for what's next. And so I just want you to know that's okay. It's okay to be in that place. And if you're not super excited yet, that's okay. <laughs> I understand that. And listen, I, I would love to pray with you. We would love to stand with you and walk with you. And ultimately, it all comes down to coming to Jesus. We come to him with everything that's on our heart, whether it's excitement or whether it's anxiety or whether it's grief. We come to our shepherd and we let him shepherd our hearts. Amen. So uh, this is what I want to do as we close today. We're going to, Bill's going to lead us in that song, um, Lord, I need you. And that's true. I want to take all of this and we're just submitting it to Jesus. This is him. It's all about him. The vision, mission, it's like, oh, that's great. Sure. It's about Jesus. We, we want him, right? And so we want to connect with the heart of God. So I want to take all of this and just submit it to God. And whatever's on your heart, wherever you're at, whether it's grieving or excitement or a mix of everything, whatever it is, um, I just want us to come to Jesus and give everyone and everything to him and let him shepherd us. Does that sound good? All right, would you stand with me? And we're gonna close with this song of word. Lord, I come and I confess bowing here I find my rest and without you
that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, everything to you, God. Lord, to your guidance, your wisdom, your leadership, God. Lord, we're following you, Jesus. Um, it's all about you, Father. Lord God, we love you. You are so good, Lord. And give us single-mindedness, Lord, that our heart is just set on you, Jesus, loving you and knowing you above all else. Lord, we love you and we bless you today. Bless my brothers and sisters today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.
Well, um, after this, we are going to be having our annual business meeting, so that's going to be happening in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll, come, we'll be right in here, uh, and John will help lead that. Um, also, next week, we're going to talk about next steps. Okay, so how do we run with the vision? What is our steps for this year and kind of the plan? So it's going to be fun. So love you guys.